0: Let me just share a few things with you from the Word of God tonight, and, and we'll, we'll get in as much as we can. And if there's time for a little interaction, we can do that, okay? Now, I'll do the preaching, but you just do some interaction. I mean, then you don't get, get five minutes, you know, all right? All right, I, I want to continue on Christ, our treasure. This will be part three, Christ, our treasure. It is so important that we understand what God has done for us. It's very important that that you know. When you know that you're loved and you're cared for, you're protected, you have a different demeanor. and This is what we want you to know. In this series, I've said we are God's treasury. We're God's treasury. His great wealth, Jesus Christ, lives within us. So we have become like a treasury of God. We have become, as it were, God's repository a place where wealth is stored. Firstly, we want to just make it completely evident that Jesus Christ is God's wealth. So his wealth, God's wealth, is all, is Jesus Christ. And you can see it very clearly when you see in the, in the letter of Hebrews, it says, by faith, uh, the world." we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And John tells us that all things that were made were made through this one person, this one being, the word of God. And now what God has done, he has, as it were, mysteriously, you know, in a mystery, taken this amazing treasure and placed this treasure in earthen vessels. Paul says that the excellence of um, uh, uh, might be of God and not of us so this excellence of this amazing treasure is of God and not of us it may be evident that it is not us so God has done this to uh, challenge the world as it were and to show the whole world who he is in the fact that that Jesus is God's wealth then we can safely say that because God is love his wealth is demonstrated By his love shown through Christ. So God's wealth is Christ shown in amazing love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And so we see this amazing and matchless love of God. God loves you. And when, I, when uh, Dr. Roser was preaching this past Sunday, he quoted a scripture uh, where he said that I has not seen. It's in 1 um, uh, Corinthians chapter 2, uh, beginning at about verse 9 and, and 10, somewhere around there, is that right? He says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has uh, Has in store for those who love him. And when he said that, uh, I've read that scripture, quoted that scripture many, many times, uh, that he said, God has things in store that nobody can conceive of. But he says, but we know, we have, as it were, some hint or inkling of them by, by the Spirit who dwells in us. And and as he he quoted the scripture, my mind went very quickly to what God's intent is. He says, in the world to come, I am going to show you unprecedented, matchless things, things that have never, ever been thought of by human beings. I'm going to show you that because you've loved me, because you've accepted my love and for." The eons of ages, he will be showing angelic beings, beings that he has created, the love of God through the church, through those who are redeemed. This is what God wants to do. He's going to show off in those who have suffered for his sake, who have loved for his sake. He's going to show his matchless ability to to bless you in uh, waves and waves, eternal waves of blessings. That's what God wants to do. This will be a demonstration of his immeasurable wealth, immeasurable wealth. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, and I won't perhaps read them so much in order, but God, this is a demonstration of God's love. God demonstrates his love. Even through us, when he allows us to go through difficulty, he demonstrates his love. Because Paul tells us in Ephesians that, that there are beings, angelic beings, who are watching God. They are watching things. They are learning things. It's like uh, we are uh, the object of God's great, amazing glory and love where he is showing us, uh, showing rather the universe, what he is able to do. So here he wants to show love, even through trials, even through testings, even through our tears. God's love never fails. And and he says for, and he shows his strength in salvation by saying in verse 6, Romans 5, 6, for when we were still or yet without strength, we had no ability to save ourselves. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for the not godly for the wicked. God died for us. We were wicked. I remember um, several, many years ago when Pastor Sisko was over here and he looked out at us and he said, you're more wicked than you think. And I, and I thought, wow, but, but, but what an amazing reality. You don't have to defend God. No, we were very wicked, treasonous beings and God demonstrated his love because we were without strength. In due time, Christ died for Who? The godly? No, Christ died for the ungodly. And whenever we see ungodly men and women, we need to know, rather than being angry and incensed at them, we need to know Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm glad he died for the ungodly because I was ungodly. I was born into sin, and so were you. Then Paul tells us in verse 8 God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners in the midst of our sin and in the midst of our wrong, then this amazing God showed his immense treasure of love by dying, by giving Christ to die for us while we were contrary to him, opposed to him, breaking his law, doing wrong things. God's He reached in his treasure, in his treasury, and pulled out of his repository immense love in the in the in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul tells us, what am I saying this for before I tell you more of what Paul says? I'm saying this to encourage you, to pour strength into you, to pour a heart into you, so that you will know that God loves your enemies as much as he loves you. And you and I have no right to hate anyone because you and I were once in the category of the ungodly, the not godly. And God demonstrated his amazing love. It's very difficult for us to even love um, enemies, right? It's difficult. But it's also difficult for us to love friends who have hurt us and betrayed us. It's hard. It's hard. You go, I thought you were I thought they were. Paul tells us that that this amazing love is also for the ungodly. It's for sinners. It's for those who oppose God. It's for those who don't know how wrong they are. It's for those who were born in sin and are very wicked at this very moment, but they don't have any clue as to how wicked they are. And God reaches into his treasure and brings out amazing love. The, the scripture says the scripture says that that this one who is in us now is greater than he who is in the world, and he shows us that God has now placed this amazing eternity in each of us. So, if eternity is in 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 the midst of us, within us, then why are we concerned or worried about temporal things? Why? Why do we let temporal things snatch us out of the plan of God as it were? Because sometimes we step momentarily out. Then we say, forgive me, let's come back. Why do we even go there? Why? Why are we allowing the distress of the present time to cause us to fear? Why? When we are God's repository. Listen. Listen. Paul goes on to say much more than having now been justified by his blood declared righteous that is we shall be saved from wrath through him. For so he shows us again how rich God is. Jesus is God's treasure and he shows us well what what will happen oh we're justified declared righteous that is we meet God's standard by the blood of this great treasure, Jesus, we shall be saved from wrath. We will never, ever experience the wrath of God. When we read about the end times and we read about the great tribulation that is coming and we can see it coming. We can, all, we can right now read the signs that it is coming. He says, you don't worry. You won't, be, you won't undergo the wrath of God. You will never. You will go through tribulation, but never the wrath of God. We will be saved from wrath, what, through this great ama- uh, amazing treasure, Jesus Christ, who now resides in us by his spirit. Then Paul goes on to show the length of his love, to the, the, the degree of his love. In verse 10 he says, for if when we were enemies, for if, or since, it was from the time we were enemies, not saying it was possibly, possible that we were not. He is saying, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, through the death of his son, we were reconciled. God wasn't reconciled to us. We were the ones who strayed, and God reconciled us. So I'm saying, let's look at this uh, in a different context that perhaps we've looked at it. Let's look at this, and let's say to ourselves and to our brothers and sisters, this too shall pass. We're going to get through this moment. Let's be strong. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, notice what Paul is saying. If when we were enemies, we were brought to God through the death of his son, he is saying to us that the son of of God's death was highly efficacious highly effective, and we were reconciled, brought back to God, not as enemies, but now as sons. Now we shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by his, his life. Saved from wrath and saved by his life. So then Paul teaches us that our focus now should be as Christ's focus because he has died to sin, and now the life that Jesus lives, he lives to God, and he says, you do the same. So what he's saying is that God, through this amazing treasure Christ, is freeing us from all distractions. Are you being freed from distractions? Or are you still seeing life as one big distraction? Are you seeing it? Or are you a victor? Are you exemplifying being a conqueror? Are you going through your trials and your, your situations overcoming them with joy? This is what God is saying. So Romans 5.11 says, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received, past tense, the reconciliation. So then, since the death of Christ, the blood of Christ, have brought us this amazing reconciliation, I offer you tonight that we're not going to lose this reconciliation. I offer it to you tonight because it is guaranteed by the death of his son. His son's death was efficacious. And then he placed the spirit of this son in us. You have now the Spirit of the Son. And so Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Christ, the treasure. You say, well, Pastor, I I know that. Okay, I'm glad you know that. Since you know that, are you walking in it? That is the question. Not by your own self-evaluation, but let's evaluate your walk by the Scriptures. Let's rejoice in God. Now, this is what Paul says. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So we are now should live a life of rejoicing in the midst of the problems, in the midst of the troubles. We must live a life of rejoicing. Let's look at Romans 6.1. He says, what shall we say then? And so he's talking about this subject. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And so somebody accused Paul of, of saying that since grace abounds, then we ought to sin so more grace will abound. And, and those are the kind of nutty things we hear today, you know, by 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 worldly Christians, and quote unquote, or churchgoers and people of the world. So Paul tells us, how shall we? who died to sin live any longer in it? So I'm still talking about this amazing treasure. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So what he wants all of us to know is that through Christ's death, when we accepted him, we received him, we also died to sin. See, Jesus died to sin, so what? Now he lives to God. So you and I now have died to sin. Let's see what we should do. He says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ— We're baptized into his death. So Paul brings an amazing revelation that we are a, or the, victorious church. We're not a whimpering church. We are the victorious church. Why? We have died to sin. We were baptized into Christ. His death was a victorious death. The first victorious death on the planet. Now. Now. We are enjoying that death and he says therefore we were buried verse 4 with him through baptism into death so powerful so powerful we were therefore we were buried with christ with him through baptism into death that for it was for a reason it was god's mighty wisdom that just as christ in the same manner as christ was raised from the dead By the glory of the Father, even so we, even so we, we have been raised a new creation from that old thing that we were. He says, even so we also should, shall walk in the newness of life. And so I am saying to all of us, let us resolve today to enjoy this amazing treasure and declare that I have been raised from my deadness by the glory of God and just as Christ himself in the same manner that he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so I, let's make it personal, will walk in newness of life. Not, oh, turning over a new leaf, not brushing off the old, but I am totally now a new kind of human, and in one, one in which Jesus resides, the treasure of God. So death to sin is separation from sin's power. It's separation from sin's power. Paul goes on to say in, in verse 5, for if or for since, let's look at it like this, we will go through difficulties, But the blessing is we will go through. Yeah. We will go through. I don't want to get too involved in it. But I was sharing with one of the members uh, somewhat recently that the Lord, I I look back over my life, you know, I'm looking sort of over my shoulder, and I remember so many times when the Lord required something of me And my words were, Lord, I can't do that. Not I won't do that, but I was saying I don't have the ability to do it. And God worked with me, was patient with me, and he worked with me, and he finally brought me to my senses. And and he walked me through things that I thought were too difficult for me. And then later on, the thing that I thought was way out there in the stratosphere I go God you know I'm an ordinary guy that's stratosphere stuff I can't do it and and I found myself doing it because of his great love because of his great treasure greater is he who is within you than he was in the world that's real talk that's real speak that's the word of God he gave Israel his the oracles his sayings his word and he has now not only given us his word but he's placed his word within us that's why we can we are more than a conqueror that's why we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us yeah that's why the that that uh, greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world that's why when we go through f- flood waters we're not drowned doesn't matter how the the waters the waves beat us down to the bottom we still get a bob up again when i look back that is the story of my life and so i tell people who are fearful don't fear let me tell you the story of my life i was afraid of this i was afraid of that i said i was no pillsbury Doughboy. i was just afraid afraid of these things that god required those things that god required they were too big for me too big for me I told you about my friend who was uh, Pastor Wright who used to always laugh at me. It, but we were very good friends. It was not meant to be a derision or anything. But he would say things like, hey, 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 hey elder, elder. I said, yes, have you been on the three-day fast lately? And just laugh. <laughs> yeah. But it was all in fun. But you know, I never thought I could go through Not only that part of my life, that was like light years away from me. Oh, I love you for three days, say. But God has done something even greater. I don't say it to build me. I'm saying greater is he who is within you. I'm saying, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Stop looking at the earth and look at the treasure within. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Okay. All right. All right. All right, just a few more, all right? I want to say so much more. He says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So we should look at that rather than apologists who would say to us, well, the scripture doesn't quite mean it that way. Don't explain it away. Explain it, but not explain it away. I am seeing things. I said to you recently, perhaps last Wednesday, I've been, I, I've been in, as it were, in the promised land. I've looked over. I'm telling you, it's, been, it's amazing. I see things that I can't even express yet. I don't have words for it, but I've looked over. This is the guy who said, I can't do that, Lord. Remember I told you those stories. God asked me a simple thing, fast for, for 14 days. I, I can't do that, I'll die. It's crazy. But don't be that way. Don't be that way. Look, look, look. He says, our old man was crucified knowing this. Our old man was crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So you and I don't, don't owe anything to sin or the flesh. For he who has died, listen, has been freed from sin. And so Paul says this emphatically, that we have been freed. It has no power, no ability to dominate us. That's amazing. Now, if we died with Christ, or now since we died with Christ, this is this amazing treasure that God has given to us. We all have it. What are we doing with this amazing treasure? Now, since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So it means as he is, so are we right now. So are we in this world, the the, the writer says. Now, since we died with Christ, we believe, do you believe? We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So death can no longer, as it were, threaten him in a sense. For the death that he died, listen, he died to sin once for all, once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And this is what God is requiring of of us. This what I'm going to call this last day's church. You don't have a right anymore to be mediocre maybe if you were at 659 today you cannot be now you cannot settle for a mediocre life some average life I learned a long time ago if you, if you stay at sea level you are m- more likely to sink than you are to rise mediocrity he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. He says, likewise you also. What? Likewise you also, just like Jesus. Likewise you also, just like Jesus. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Alive to God. That's what you're to do. And, and how did God fix it? How did God fix it? I'm ready for you. How did God fix it? I know I want to go on, but I, I'm not going to go on. But how did God fix this? He fixed it by putting treasure, his own treasure, his own son, within the hearts of the redeemed company. Amen. That's how God did it. That's why you and I, were still sinning. Oh, I just can't help it. I can't help it. That's, that's not the truth. Because this is what God wants from the last day's church. He wants things that we have not seen before. A number of years ago, I saw something in the spirit. I, I, didn't gra- I couldn't grasp it. But I was asking the Lord, Lord, why don't you do such and such? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? He said, son, if I were to do what you were asking, you would get no rest Basically, I would not be able to fulfill my calling because it would be too much. He says, but this is what I'm going to do. In the last days, the last times, I'm going to so pour out in the body of Christ that it wouldn't be like the pastor and the evangelist and the the prophetic person all doing all these things. He says, all of my people are going to be doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. All of my people. So I'm saying to you, With a promise like that, don't bring mediocrity to the table. Don't bring your C to the table. You bring your A++ to the table. You bring your A game. Amen? Why? Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence may be obvious to everybody that it is of God and not of us. In Jesus' name, amen.